Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when the iPhone turns 15. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Ha, ha, ha. What a good intro there, Noah. That was really well done. Now, today is a special day in the history of technology because 15 years ago today, to the exact date, Steve Jobs unveiled the original iPhone. And, uh, well, I, ooh, I'm not prepared. I was going ha- to be ready with my... I have a, a small collection of original iPhones. Well, don't, don't worry about it. But let me, let me go get those. Let me go get those. I'll be right back. I don't know if I'd exactly call Luke's selection small. Maybe, maybe among iPhone collectors. But I think he has uh, quite a few of these things lying around. Oh, ah. there it is. Hello. All right, I'm going to shift this into this wide view. Now, yeah, okay. I've got... This is my box where I have been collecting um, vintage Apple products, we'll call it. Now, my collection is not, you know, comprehensive or really that expensive. I think... Okay, I will admit... I will admit I did spend $700 on my like nicest iphone 2g but if you know anything if you go on ebay if you know anything about iphone 2g's you know that the prices on those things get pretty crazy and i you know i'll explain it i'll talk about it i was even maybe considering making a video on this so i don't know if people want to hear a little bit more about this at some point in the future i'd be happy to go into some detail but i've got a bunch of stuff here in my my vintage Apple box. Um, I've got, what do we have here? A bunch of iPhone 5s. Because I was able to find new in box iPhone 5s for surprisingly little money. Look at this. This is just, I just love seeing a beautiful slate, the best color, iPhone 5 in mint condition. I mean, it. it's just, it's perfect. Can you believe, Noah, that this is almost a 10-year-old phone? It still looks good. That's, it, that, that was a good phone. I this thing was fantastic. If, if Apple made this exact phone, but, you know, with the Face ID, like, whole front look, I would probably buy it. They're still using the iPhone 6 design, and that was only two years after the 5 design. And the 5 design looks more like the, the 13 and the 12, so... Yeah. Well... I don't know that the yeah the the thirteen the, I guess they did kind of go uh, they kind of admitted that the 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 five design was right when they did the thirteen. They yeah. basically said, "Hey, whoops, we shouldn't uh, gave up on that so soon." Um, I have a I mean this is just an iPhone four on original iOS. I do have another another sealed iPod Touch fourth gen in here. This is 12 years old. What? Ridiculous. Uh, I have, you'll like this one, Noah. I think you had one of these, actually. Still in our original retail seal here. Mm, 
Look at that. Second oh, yeah. gen. Yep, that was I had a second gen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Brand new. I paid fifty bucks for this. Really? For, yeah. For a sealed like hello? It's awesome. Wow. That's awesome, yeah. Um Okay, what is this? This is the one that I already unboxed. I'm getting to the iPhones. Don't worry. I got a bunch more iPhone 5s. There's an iPhone an iPhone 5C on original I- iOS. That one's not like rare or anything. I just have it in here. But then we get to the iPhone 2Gs. And there are a few. There are a few. These four are my not fancy ones. None of these are particularly uh, fancy. This is an eight gigabyte one. That's actually pretty pretty good condition. Look at that, beautiful. This one is a four gigabyte one. This one's a really original one, but it's um not holding up too well. Doesn't really stay together. Oh, yeah, this one this one's a little little rough around the edges. Um, and then I have another one that's an eight gigabyte. This one I think works pretty well, but this, this is a, a good example of like your typical iPhone 2G and I'll explain what makes these different for collectors. I'm not super deep into the iPhone 2G collecting because it gets super expensive and these things actually are super unreliable I suppose not the most surprising thing. But there's actually quite a big difference between that iPhone 2G and my my two most valuable iPhone 2Gs, which are this one and this one. All right, what's the difference? Well, this one, this is my personal favorite. Because what we have here, this is the 4 gigabyte model. That's important. And if I pull it out here, this is the difference between a $700 iPhone 2G and a $70 iPhone 2G. Why is this one worth 10 times as much? Well, you can probably tell from the outside that this one is really nice. It has one scratch. So that's not bad. This one's a little scuffed up. These back plates get really, really easily scuffed. And typically that's not a problem because you can just replace it. However, what makes the iPhone 2G unique in many ways is that the serial number is engraved on the back case. So if you change it, they don't match and it's worthless. So, that's why a good condition iPhone 2G is more valuable. With an iPhone 5, you can go buy a, you know, you can reskin the thing, basically. Put it in a new body and refurbish it. You can't do that with the iPhone 2G. So, to have one in good condition means it has to have been maintained for 15 years. Now, this one's also a 4 gigabyte. The 4 gigabyte model only lasted for about three or four months because when apple launched it on june 29th i think 
Maybe it was July. I don't know. I think it was um, June. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was. Because that's when they... The iPhones used to be a, a, a mid-year thing before they moved to September. Yeah. But the 4-gigabyte model only made it to, like, October of 2007, and they discontinued it. This particular one was made one week after the launch. So this is a really early one. And it's also running iOS... Sorry, iPhone OS 1.0, which does not have a lot of functionality, folks. It's pretty bare bones. And it also is not charged. I do need to charge these more. That's I'm not a good collector because you're supposed to, like, every couple of months put some juice in the batteries to keep them from dying. And I need to do that more often. But the quirk with iPhone 2Gs is, especially on old versions of iPhone OS, if they die, usually you can't get them to charge over USB. You have to use FireWire for them to actually mm-hmm. boot up and get a charge going. So I think I might actually use my Titanium PowerBook. Did this thing have FireWire? Yes. <laughs> We're getting really retro today. Oh, yeah. All right, let me charge that. Oh. Did you hear that? I dropped it. Oh, jeez. It's okay. It was only about an inch. Didn't cause any damage. It's titanium. It'll be fine. No, the iPhone is what I dropped. Oh. <laughs> the power book is worthless. Nobody cares about these things for some reason. Aha, look at that. It's booting up right away, just like that. That's a little pro tip. If you get a, an iPhone 2G and it's dead, plug it into FireWire first. You can probably score You can probably score a pretty good deal if you just keep that little tip in mind. That's some good tech advice that we gave today. We sure did, us technology experts. That's right. This is my other... Um, valuable iphone 2g this one this one is annoying me because this one has a bad display it or like the display connector or something because it has like random green pixels that are stuck on green um but this one is valuable because the the serial number on the phone and the box match and it's an original box uh, you can tell an original box because it doesn't have a fourth row of icons with iTunes down there. So those are the early, early ones, and those are worth more. So if I can get this phone repaired, which is extremely difficult to do, too difficult even for me to have attempted, that's how difficult it is, then this would be probably a $1,000 phone. But I need to work up the nerve to do it. I have some some donor iPhone 2Gs that would be up to the task, but I don't know if I'm up to the task. It's that stressful. is a bit risky. Okay, are we charging here? Yes, this is huge. It's kind of weird to be charging an iPhone with uh, a power book that is older than the iPhone. Yeah. And let's see if uh, these things can actually hold a charge for a really long time. I'm kind of curious if any of these are actually 
holding a charge doesn't look like they are which isn't super duper surprising but sometimes they'll sit there for like three or four months and still hold a charge alas these I've not been so lucky mm. oh well but yeah I mean it's kind of crazy to think about how much has changed since the original iPhone came out I mean Noah you and I were 12 when yeah or no, not even... What am I saying? We were not, not 12. We were 9. Yeah, it was like 9, 8 or 9. Yeah. Do you remember the uh, the the launch? Do you remember that time period? Not really. I'm trying to think of like... 2007. Not, I know my dad had a BlackBerry at the time. Same. And... Uh, I'm trying to think my... Oh, no, that one's turning on nice. Um, my dad had a BlackBerry at the time. My mom, I think... I, this was... Either she had the, the Motorola Razor, which was one of the first Android phones, or if it was even before that, then she had the uh, Palm uh, Trio or something. It was like a PDA kind of thing. I don't remember oh, what, what she had Oh, my dad had one of those... I think my dad had the Palm Trio in 07... And then a BlackBerry until the 4S came out. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of crazy to think about how the, the dominance of smartphones. I mean, it's obviously Noah and I were young, and I'm sure many of you guys were young, according to my audience demographics at the time. But so much changed so quickly with the iPhone and and yet at the same time I mean we all kind of I think we all kind of tend to glorify the original iPhone but it I mean it was limited when it came out I mean uh the the keynote presentation where they unveiled the iPhone because remember it it was unveiled 15 years ago today on January 9th but it, it didn't launch to the public until the end of June. So you'd think, I mean, nowadays, nowadays you'd think, oh, well, it was mostly done. No, it really wasn't. I mean, the, the iPhones were janky in their prototype stages. They were actually so fragile, Noah, that the... Uh, the higher-ups that were testing them at Apple, when the prototypes were manufactured in China, they couldn't ship them to California because they would, like, the bumping around in shipping, they would be broken on arrival. Really? So they would fly to the factory, pick them up in, like, a padded briefcase fly them back first class with them to do testing. They literally hand-delivered the prototypes because they were that fragile. I didn't know that. That's, that's and that was all going on right up until, like, the keynote. The, there were, like, four or five different phones wired up for the keynote. So if, if anything went wrong, they could switch really quickly. And... The entire the entire 
performance, and it was a performance, it was completely choreographed. Not just scripted, every button press, every, like, the amount of songs played. There's, when, when, when Steve demonstrates the, like, um, music player capability, right? Because the whole thing was, it's, it's a new media device. It's a widescreen touch control. It's an internet device. Oh, it's all the same. Those were not correct, those three things. I can't remember what they were. You know, oh, yeah, music, phone, and internet. Thank you, comments. Yeah, uh, yeah it, was a, it was music. It was phone. It was internet. When he was explaining the music, they played a couple seconds from a couple different songs. Those exact portions of the songs were choreographed because it was so buggy that the phone couldn't play through a song without crashing. No. <laughs> yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how janky it was five, six months before people went out to a store and bought them. Yeah, I remember, I didn't know that it was pretty janky. I know that they had multiple devices, and I knew it was very coordinated. I did not know the thing about, like, flying them on the planes, and, like, I didn't know they were that, like, fragile. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, I, it, it kind of makes sense, though. I mean, at that point, I think that was a really big turning point for Apple because if you go back to, I mean, I plugged it into a PowerBook, right? The PowerBook G4, titanium. This was... 2001 that's when this thing came out so that's six years before the iphone but in those six years apple sort of realized that they could do a lot more than what they were doing i mean think back to um when steve jobs rejoined apple in 1998 and he said all of this stuff that we're making is crap we're starting from scratch they had this huge messy lineup um i i bought this macintosh performa from 1995 a couple years before steve came back that sadly was not working so i never made a video on it but dude the thing came with a literal box full of bloatware like bundled advertised demo software Mm -mm. not even sorted i still have the box it's literally just about 18 inches by 18 inches by five inches and it's just full of advertisements like a box of cds yes just a jumbled unsorted mess yeah yikes because that's that was what apple's business model was before uh steve came back and said this is crap we're starting over that was the iconic two by two marketing grid Desktop for consumers, desktop for pros, laptop for consumers, laptop for pros. And that was great. That saved Apple from financial ruination. But then they started to think like, hey, well, we're making all of these great computers that people connect stuff to. They connect their music devices. They rip their CDs. They connect their phones Why don't we make the devices that they're connecting to the computers as well? And the iPhone, I think, was more decisive than the iPod in saying, hey, we don't have to be a computer company. We don't have to make the computers. We can make 
your entire ecosystem. That was why this was so special. It wasn't just, you know, the modern incarnation of the smartphone. It was the reason that Apple is a $3 trillion company. This is when they figured out how to be not just a computer company, but an entire, like, comprehensive technology company. That's definitely... That's not a good perspective because, like, the iPod was super... When was that? When did that first come out? Like 2001, 2003, One. somewhere around there? 2001, yep. okay. Yeah, so that's that was, you know, obviously had a head start. And that was a big thing. Like people, you know, that was like a huge phenomenon. And, yeah. you know, it sparked, you know, other uh, things, other uh, media players and MP3 players and all that stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was an accessory. And it was, you know, a big thing, a big cultural thing. It was big for Apple, obviously. But like... I mean, I guess if you, I mean, obviously, first of all, if you look today, you know, iPhones are, you know, huge in the, the smartphone market and iPods are, you know, basically dead at this point. But like the yeah. iPhone, yeah, you're absolutely right about the $3 trillion company thing because the iPhone like was a big, a big thing for Apple. And I mean, think about it this way. The iPhone has now outlived the iPod. Because I think we could all realistically consider the iPod to be an irrelevant device. I mean, people still collect them. Audiophiles still use them. Collectors use them. What have you. But broadly speaking, people aren't going, ooh, the new iPod just dropped. Let me go cop the new iPod. People aren't scalping the new iPod. There isn't and there even is a no new, new iPod. iPod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... It's not exactly the product that people lust over. And people always think of the iPod as being Apple's like big hit. If you look at it, iPod sales peaked around 2009-2010, had declined significantly 2012-2013, and by 2014 were essentially gone. The the iPhone has not had that. I mean, maybe it's not rising year over year, but the iPhone is, you know, insane market share, insane profits every single year. We're now 15 years into this train, whereas the iPod was pretty much done 11 or 12 years into its existence because the iPhone yeah. essentially was the iPod evolved. It was, well, let's just do the whole phone as well. Why? why you don't need to have two devices. We'll just do it all one device and that was, I think, a rare instance of Apple kind of eating their own foot. Because the iPod was their cash cow by 2007. And they essentially, they planned its own destruction. It took a couple of years before people, you know, were really on board the iPhone train. Someone, I think, in the chat earlier said the first, like, real big iPhone was the 3GS. I think that's a fair uh, statement. I think the iPhone 2G was a little bit niche, early adopter. People that were into tech went for it. But, I mean, both of our dads still had Blackberries, right? Yeah. When did your dad go for the iPhone? 
I was trying to remember, but I, well, it was not before the iPhone 4 because it wasn't until, because we always had Verizon, so it wasn't until the iPhone came to Verizon, and I did get the iPhone 4 when it came to Verizon, and I don't remember if he got, I know he had an iPhone 5, I'm not sure if he had an iPhone 4 or not, but it was, I it was he a did. couple years after. Because I think I remember when your dad got the 5, and I think he came from a 4. Then he, I mean, I honestly don't remember, but he definitely had the 5, and he probably also had the 4. I mean, didn't you guys have, like, been the first three one. eventually dead iPhone 4s kicking around the house? There's a bunch of them. I think my... You know what? Because my sister had an iPhone 4 uh, for some time, and I, that was either that my was a old hand -me -down. one or my dad's old one. Yeah, it yeah. was someone's hand-me-down. I don't remember. That definitely makes sense. Um, and this, this comment, I think, is very accurate here. I don't really see the iPhone as a phone. I see it as a handheld computer that happens to make calls. That, uh, that's a very good point. I think the iPhone not only evolved the iPod, but it involved the concept of a phone. Mm -hmm. Because I think most people don't really use their iPhones primarily for calls. In 2007, I think people would have been using their iPhone a majority of the time to make calls and then probably for, for messaging as well. I think people probably would have been using messaging fairly frequently. Oh, this one's uh, this one's jailbroken, by the way. Oh, nice. I Running, love the old uh, jailbroken stuff. I think we're on iPhone OS. What are we on here? 1.1.4 and jailbroken. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got... Um, Look at all the old. Oh, I got to connect this thing to Wi-Fi for it to work. But yeah, I mean, this is before we even had the ability to swipe left and right and have multiple app pages and it's jailbroken. That one. Oh, it's got a SIM card in it, too. I just saw the um, I think it might even be connected to cellular. It's got bars. <laughs> what? Um, what's this one on? Oh, here we go. Look at this, folks. This is iPhone OS 1.0. And I mean, this nice. this alone, when you talk about 2007, most people were, you know, texting with keypads. Most people had, I mean, phones had cameras at that point, but they weren't, like, particularly high-featured. And to be fair, this one isn't either. Rear-facing only, picture, no video. It's... It's not glamorous, but it's certainly better than, I think, the competition in 2007. Yeah. You cannot change this wallpaper. You cannot rearrange apps. You cannot add apps. You cannot move apps. There's no pages. There's no swiping in any direction, up or down or left or right or anything. You you open an app, you close an app, and that's it. That's all you got. No multitasking, no anything. But this, yep. I mean, this is where it started. This, this not only started the smartphone, but I would even argue that this, what I'm holding right here in my hand, was what gave us the internet as we know it today. This is what gave us the ability to access news whenever we want it, the ability to create content whenever we want it. This launched social media. 
I genuinely believe that social media as we know it would not exist without the iPhone. Yes, you had Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Those had existed before the iPhone came out. But in a desktop form, social media would not be the same in desktop only. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I only have to look at my demographics on YouTube to see that most people are watching on their phones. And and YouTube is probably more desktop skewed than, I mean, something like TikTok. TikTok would not exist without an iPhone. It is an entirely smartphone-based. It's smartphone-bred. Twitter, most, probably 95% of people are using Twitter on their smartphones. And even legacy stuff like Facebook is almost entirely smartphone now, too. Yeah, I mean, social media as it is today wouldn't be nearly the same without, like, phones. Because when you have, like, a device on you at all times that you can use to you know, add content, whether you're taking a picture or a video or posting or like whatever it is, like the fact that it's something that you have on you at all times in your pocket and it's so easy to just whip it out and, you know, do something. Yeah, it definitely. It's definitely a smartphone thing. And then obviously, you know, the iPhone, you know, you, you can make arguments because, you know, Android was was also around at the time. And, you know, you could even talk about Windows phone and whatever else you want. But like iPhone was a really big like thing for moving you know for like introducing smartphones and moving them forward so like you know i absolutely agree yeah it's it's really and i mean yeah it's it's an interesting discussion i mean like let's say in a vacuum if you could if you could go back in time and create like an experiment right where where the iphone never existed like steve jobs had the idea like let's say 2005 remember the itunes phone the iTunes was that like the iPod like with the rotary dial or something so or is that Apple partnered with Motorola and they launched a Motorola branded phone that ran iPod software so it had iTunes it had iPod software on it you could sync it with your iTunes on on your Mac but it was a Motorola smartphone Horrible, disgusting failure. Nobody bought it. I kind of want to buy one. But if Apple had seen that and said, well, that's it. We're not doing phones. We'll do media players. Maybe they still did tablets. Maybe they still did smartwatches, although those kind of spawned out of the iPhone. So that's questionable. But imagine they that Steve Jobs never had the idea for the iPhone and said, we're just going to keep making the best computers twofold question for you noah and for chat would someone else have invented the modern smartphone and popularized it and ended up with a similar situation that we're in today and would apple have essentially faded into obscurity without an iphone to launch their whole this whole new business segment 
Those are some really interesting questions. Mm. I like that. I would have to... I, so let's see. I don't remember the exact timeline of... Because I know Android existed around the time that the original iPhone did. I don't remember if it was before, shortly before or shortly after that Android first existed. But I'll even back then... Yeah, because even back then, I remember my mom, and my mom's in the chat, so I'll say hi, of course. But uh, but my mom had the, the Motorola Razr. Yes. And, uh, so the Mo- Motorola Razr, it was one of the first... Um, uh, or am I thinking of well, the wrong no, thing? No, the, the Razer. Was... So the Razer came out in 2005. That was the peak of the like pre-smartphone. That was like the um, the flip phone, the iconic um, flip phone that was sort of like the pinnacle of pre-smartphone phones. The first Android phone was the HTC Dream, which was unveiled in November 2007. Or well, Android was unveiled in November two thousand seven, and the the HTC Dream launched in September two thousand eight. So okay. Android was afterwards, but I I have to imagine that Android was being developed simultaneously. Like I highly doubt that they just saw the iPhone and said, "All right, do this right now." Yeah, yeah, definitely. The phone, I actually think I made a mistake. The phone that I meant to say was the, the Droid, the Motorola Droid. and that Oh, came I remember out, that one. That I came out in 2009. Yes, yeah, so that was October 2009. So that was a little, a, little, a little bit after. But that was one of the earlier Android phones. Yeah. And that was one of the phones that had the flip-out keyboard. So you could use it. Uh, like a smartphone holding in your hand, but you could also turn it on its side and flip up. And it had a keyboard, and it also had a little... It wasn't a trackpad, but it was like a four-directional with the with the button. So it was, Like a little was, hat switch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, 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 uh, so it had that. And, um, and so to answer your first question, would someone else have come along and, you know, done the, the phones and whatever... I think I think the answer is is yes, uh, but I but I think maybe it would have taken longer for phones to get to how they are now because like that when the iPhone took the keyboard away that was like a big thing and Steve Jobs made a big deal about that in the keynote because he was saying like you know all these phones have fixed sets of buttons on them what mm-hmm. if you could have you know dynamic buttons that adapt to whatever you're doing and that was like a big that was a big deal and that was um like the the uh the famous steve balmer quote right where he's like it doesn't even have a keyboard no one's gonna buy this thing whatever whatever yep so and then and then again you like you look at the droid for example and that still had a, a flip out keyboard and whatever but the iphone from the very beginning never had a hard a hard keyboard it was always a software keyboard and so for something like that, I think it would have taken potentially would have taken longer uh, for smartphones to come out that didn't have, you know, hardware keyboards versus the iPhone just sort of, you know, went out and, and, uh, and did it immediately. And just, chat you know, seems like to be backing you up there. Um, for what it's worth, the HTC Dream, the first fully fledged Android phone, also had a slide out keyboard. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of phones probably would have continued to have that. I I almost wonder indefinitely because I think the iPhone was a big industry 
leader and you know from the very beginning they said we're not putting hardware buttons on this like there's on off and volume that's all you get that's all you need or weirdly they also had mute which some android phones still don't have i don't know why there's still no ringer switch on like all these android phones i don't get it but yeah all of the early android phones nearly were those slide out i think they called them candy bar phones because mm, yeah, it yeah. was landscape rather than vertical um so clearly the industry in general was moving towards having some sideways content you get a wider keyboard it's more comfortable to type on and i will point out though that now um phones have increased in size so much that your portrait mode keyboard is probably bigger than those sliding keyboards were back in 2009 anyway so it does I make you wonder. Those sliding keyboards, those buttons were always too small on any I agree. of those phones. I agree, the, but it did yeah. take a while though for people to get used to screen typing. I mean, nowadays yeah, we take yeah. it for granted. Like if I were to go back to a candy bar phone, I'd kill myself because it takes it's so slow and you always hit the wrong key, and the buttons are like those tiny little membranes. It's not really a keyboard; it's a keypad with a QWERTY yeah. shape. And it's not yeah. very intuitive, but keep in mind that this was this was you know coming out in, in a time where people were still used to typing on the the vertical keypads, which I I always forget the name. What type? What's what are those called? T nine. Yes, T nine. Like yeah, with the with just the numbers. Yeah, the T nine. Yeah. Just the numbers. So then you press it three times. It's like J K S and then L M N or whatever. And and they all and you click a bunch bunch of times over and over again like that was the competition right so yeah the the slide out phones were much better than that and arguably some of the early smartphones with those small three and a half inch screens were a little tricky to type on in vertical mode but the inherent benefit that Apple tapped into was that you could make software improve that experience and that means you could improve it after you shipped it and that's what steve jobs said from the very beginning you can add features via download instead of via replacement and as nathan says here he does not think the industry was in a hurry to move away from physical keyboards absolutely i mean before smartphones were dominant all of the feature phones, remember those, that you would get even a couple of years later, like the one that I got in 2010, uh, phones mm-hmm. that they were still selling in 2012, or even 2013, a lot of them were still those slidey keyboard phones. A lot of Android phones were slidey keyboard phones. I don't think the industry would have moved away from those types of keyboards without Apple pushing that and working on that software to make it easier to use. I mean, that's one of the genius things about the keyboard on here. Remember, this is this is before there was any sort of like AI or machine learning. Everything on here, all these features are hard-coded. This, there's no machine learning going on. But, but what, one of the things that was programmed into this keyboard from the very start is they figured, okay, this is like an inch wide. You're trying to fit a QWERTY keyboard on a very, very small screen. Let me unlock this here and pull up a keyboard to show you just how tiny it is. I'm sure m- most of you have have seen these before, but 
my goodness, this, I mean, it's tiny. It's minuscule. We'll pull up, look at the skeuomorphism here in the notes app. Oh, yeah. My, th- my finger is like three letters wide. So yeah. how, do you, how do you do that? How do you make this a usable experience when people are used to buttons, when people are used to sliding keyboards, all of the different ways that smartphone manufacturers came up with? Well, when Apple was testing the iPhone prototypes, when they were developing iPhone OS and the iPhone as a contraption, they had that exact same thought. They were like, how in the world are we going to make this usable? And it turned out that the way to do that was to make the hitboxes for the keys not the size of the keys. So when you're typing any given word, what they did was they figured out, okay, if I type an E, it is likely to be followed by maybe an A. A lot of words have E-A. A lot of words have E-R. A lot of words have, you know, E-S. So the hitboxes for A, R, and S, ears, which I've just spelled unintentionally, those hitboxes were larger, so it was easier to hit them. And so if you, whenever you're actually typing on these phones, and this is still how it works as far as I know, the hitboxes for likely letters are changing sizes. Like when you type a Q on the original iPhone, the hitbox for a U is massive. It's very easy to type QU on the original iPhone. Let me see if I can do it here just for demonstration purposes. Like even I'm just going to look in the camera here. I'm going to type a Q and now I'm going to just try to type a U real quick. I missed. Q, U. It's really easy to type QU on this phone because the U hitbox gets larger than the actual key itself. And so that was the way that Apple figured out, okay, we don't need to make the buttons bigger. We need to make the phone smarter. We need to make the buttons know what you want to say. Yeah, that that's... Uh... It's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool way of dealing with it, and like you said, you know, it can get better over time, and they can they can tweak it and and improve it, and they can add features like autocorrect and um, and uh, and predictive text and all that stuff over time to make it even better. Exactly. But I think going back to the the keyboard uh, question, and and you know, saying how the industry wasn't you know really looking to get rid of keyboards. First of all, I agree with that because you can look at the at the evolution, you know, first there was T9, then there was, you know, the Blackberries had the portrait keyboards, like the physical keyboards in portrait mode. And then, yeah. you know, the candy bar phones where you'd slide it up in landscape. So they were they were improving on the, the keyboard tech over time, which to me, you know, says that they were still committed to it and they're still, you know, working on it. And I think, I, I honestly think that if Apple had come along to the smartphone game later or if some other you know i think whenever apple entered the smartphone game whenever it was going to be they wouldn't have had a keyboard 
I think. Oh, right? absolutely. Obviously, they didn't have it at the beginning when it was big. If they came in later, they wouldn't have you know had a keyboard. But so if it, whether it's Apple coming in or some other company, I think they would have gotten the same backlash that Apple gets when they do things like remove the CD drive and remove the headphone jack and all of that stuff. It would have been ex- exactly the same as all of those other things. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, when you look back at the original iPhone, it might have invented a whole lot in these past 15 years, but there were some things that they just, you know, we think of it as revolutionary, but there were some things that they just completely bungled. Like, this design is iconic now, but it's a product of compromise. Johnny Ive wanted the whole thing to be aluminum. And then they said, hey, buddy, how are we going to get a phone signal through that? If it's a solid yeah. lump of metal. So you end up with this black stripe on the bottom that they did not want there. Make no mistake, they did not want that on the bottom <laughs> of this thing. And then they, you know, the year after that, there's they went to plastic all over because then it's a uniform, but then it's also a plastic phone. And this is Apple, and they don't like that. And so then, yeah. then they moved into what I think are the two most successful designs the 4 and the 4S and the 5. Mm-hmm. Fantastic designs where you have bands in the side integrated, but not, you know, like this. There's also the matter of the headphone jack being on the top. It was there for five years before they realized that that's dumb and everyone puts it in to their pocket like this. And the f- headphone mm-hmm. jack was getting smushed and went around the side. That took them four years to figure out. Not to mention the fact that the headphone jack on the original iPhone is recessed really, really far into the phone. So almost any pair of headphones, almost anything with a headphone jack does not plug into this because it doesn't fit in that socket. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Steve Jobs didn't even think that an app store would be a good idea. Like, they they didn't nail it right away. I think that's important to keep in mind. Like, they started it here. This is where the the modern smartphone began, but they didn't do it all at once. No company ever does it all at once. Yeah, that's definitely... It definitely took them some time. And, yeah, I think, like, the app store... The App Store is definitely the biggest thing because in the early days of the iPhone, Steve Jobs believed that like websites and like you know mobile optimized websites were gonna be the thing, and you yeah, know, he didn't he didn't want uh, he didn't want the App Store, he didn't want Flash, which turned out you know obviously to be a good thing, and there was a whole thing about Flash, but that was a little bit later on. But like the App Store, that came in uh, iPhone OS two, right? So that was not uh, not I too think far so. after. Or yeah, maybe but, three. Um, I think it was iPhone OS 2 or 2 point You're right. something. July 10th, 2008 was the official was launch of the App Store. Yeah, so it took a year for the App Store. iTunes came shortly thereafter because, I, I mean, iTunes didn't ship initially. If I if I pull up this um, this jailbroken phone here on oh no that's on 1.1 let's see did 1.1 have itunes yes it did but on iphone os 1.0 
you yeah you didn't have itunes on here look there's no itunes app mm-hmm. yeah so that took a little while there was ipod so it was just like an ipod built into it but then itunes came out with 1.1 which was two or three months after launch i think um but yeah i mean they definitely didn't get it right right away apple never does Remember Apple Maps 2012? Mhm. Apple Watch. Yep. There's a lot of a lot of things that you can that you can point to, but the important thing is they everything. eventually did get it right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of I mean almost everything, but they did because like if you think about it, there's a lot like imagine if they never introduced the App Store. Imagine like if you think about any time you've had to use like a mobile website for something, it's so like the experience is so much worse than a native mobile app. And mm-hmm. it's so much more limited in terms of its functionality, you know, what hardware yeah. it can access, what information it can access. Like, imagine if Apple had, you know, stuck with that and they didn't do it or they took even longer to, to, to launch the App Store. Because that was a huge thing for Apple. Like, the App Store mm-hmm. was a huge thing for the iPhone. And if they had, you know, delayed on that or not done it, like, imagine how different things would be. I do also have to wonder, though, would it, like, say the App Store never existed and we we ended up stuck with you know you can't download apps you can just go to websites like Steve Jobs originally wanted do you mm-hmm. not think that websites would have just evolved to be as easy to use cuz like websites have already come a long way since remember back in the early iOS days when you would like websites would have a specific mobile website like you'd have to develop two separate websites Mm -hmm. now it's you know they look at the aspect ratio and the width of the display and it just automatically adjusts the same website um i mean if you if you're on your computer right now go to apple.com in a window and make the window narrower and narrower once you get to a certain point it's going to snap and become the the mobile version essentially because websites are just intelligent now and they weren't like that 10 years ago. So do you not think that maybe rather than the mess of ads and crappy like bloat that websites on mobile tend to be now, maybe they would have been developed for a web-based ecosystem? I think that that's a good question because I, I think that apps could or like mobile websites like if you like if, yeah i mean if you look at mobile websites you can do a lot on them like if you go to you know twitter or facebook or like you know even i don't know about tiktok i don't use tiktok but like i know they have like a like a web version too like any of the yeah. things that you go to on a on on the the web you can do a lot of the the same things um there's a lot of things that you can't do like um like you know certain parts of the device or certain things yeah. uh, that you can't access and you know maybe apple would have opened that up more to the to the web or maybe there would have been more open standards because you know if there's not native apps then you know there would have been more reason for that to be available on the web but i don't know it's uh i feel mm. like they're just kind of different like the mobile like think about games for example you know are you like the kind of games that you can run on a mobile device if that were in you know on the web would that be a good experience with like loading and downloading and 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 like you know execution like there's just just a lot of a lot of things there now here's an interesting as we're wrapping up here carl in chat has asked us to speculate on where the iphone will be 10 years from now 
And I think that's an interesting question because when you look at the iPhone 10 years ago, that's the iPhone 5. And to be honest, I don't think we're radically all that different now than we were 10 years ago. Like, the basic ingredients of an iPhone are still here. Still using the same charging interface, the lightning port. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or still using, you know, portrait-oriented designs. We're still using, you know, front and rear-facing cameras. And I think a lot of the additions to the phone have been pretty logical, you know, like answering questions, answering demands that I think people had. You know, people were like, ah, we want a bigger screen. We got bigger screens. Oh, I want more options. Oh, we have more options. I want to be able to charge without plugging it in. Good. Got it. I want to be able to unlock it by looking at it. Sure. There you go. Um, Software features, similar path, you know, more integration, um, more cross compatibility, adding other accessories, watches, iPads, working together in the ecosystem and developing that. But when you look at it, you know, realistically, I don't think the iPhone as a hardware package has changed a ton in the past 10 years. So, you know, 10 years from now, I think you have to think about it logically what are the what are the what are the the issues with smartphones now what are the things that bother us when we use a phone what are the limitations i kind of wonder if the big one is size i think we are like the iphone obviously has grown quite a bit since it originally came out cuz in 2007 yes. it was all about small get it into a small package but then we kind of said i don't really care about small that much really and now we have this which is like the size of my entire head yeah but i think we've we i think we've reached a limit here if apple made a phone any bigger than this i'd be like no that's too much that's too big of a phone this the the iphone 13 which is actually about the same footprint as the um, the the six plus and the six s plus and the seven plus and the eight plus and the ten s max and the eleven pro max and the twelve pro max they're all around the same size because I think that's basically the largest that people are comfortable having a phone, and even that is too big for some people, but everyone wants a bigger screen. So I personally think that our that the trend in the next 10 years is how do you get a larger screen on a smaller phone? Expandable screens, I think, are what's next. I don't know if that's foldable. I don't know if that's augmented reality. I don't know if that's, you know, phones that become wider that have like extendy bits on the outside of them i don't know if it's a simple solution or a complex one but to me i think that is the direction that we're going people want to have a small phone again 
but they don't want to give up a big screen. And the technology industry has to figure out how you do that. What do you think, Noah? I think that's, first of all, I think that's a good point. And definitely if you look at the industry, you know, not Apple necessarily, but the industry as a whole, like the foldable phones and all of that have been like a big thing that like all the companies are working on and showing off and and, and doing. I mean, you know, you can argue about how good those phones are because a lot of them are pretty thick and, you know, the hinges have problems and whatever, but like like there's a lot of investment going on in there. So there's, yeah. that definitely means that there's a demand um, for it and there's a reason, you know, why they're doing it. So first of all, I definitely agree uh, about the, you know, people want to have more screen real estate in, you know, but they don't want their phones to get, you know, much bigger, obviously. So yeah. that's, the, that's the first thing. And then I'll say for my thing, or for what I think for the next 10 years, I guess. So if you look at, like, the iPhone 2G compared to the iPhone 5, because we're using the iPhone 5, that was 10 years ago from us. So compared to the 2G, those phones, like, the difference there is a lot more than the difference between the 5 and, you know, the 13 that we have today. So the because, first like, five the... years had a lot more change mm -hmm. than the next 10 years, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, if you look at the if you look at the original 2G, you know, it didn't have the App Store. It didn't have a lot. Of, it didn't have a lot. It didn't have multitasking. It didn't have cut and paste. It didn't have. There were like all of these things. It was like a very, very, very basic phone. And you can argue about when Apple got to sort of the you know minimum viable product phase. Maybe that was the 3GS. Maybe that was the 4. But you know, the first couple of iPhones, it didn't have video recording. There were so many things. It didn't have a front-facing camera. I could keep thinking of things that the original iPhone or original iPhones didn't have. So the first five years was like getting to the point, you know, where they have all of the ingredients. Like you said, they had all of the things that you need to have in a phone. And then from the five on, the real thing was about making it more powerful so that you could do, you know, more things on it. Like, you know, if you look at TikTok and all those, you know, video apps, like you can record and edit videos on the phone itself, mm -hmm. which, you know, if you look back at the iPhone 5, I'm not sure how good of an experience that would have been given the processing probably power not. and the screen size and all that. <laughs> probably, probably not too great. So, um, so like, so from the five on or, you know, whatever you want to say, but, but for the past 10 years, at least it's been really about making the phones, you know, more powerful and more capable of being able to do things. And so there was the comment before about how, you know, someone said they think of a phone as like a, like a computer that can make calls or I forget what the exact comment was, but that's basically what it's been for the past 10 years is, is, uh, you know, making it more powerful. It's catching up to what a computer can do, exceeding it in some places and not in other places where it makes sense. But I think that's the trend that's going to continue because like we have what we need for a smartphone. Like, I don't think there's anything fundamental that's really missing at this point. So yeah. it's just, you know, continuing to be, it's going to be, you know, faster. It's going to be more powerful. It's going to be more intelligent so that it can figure out what you want to do and help you do what you want to do. So I think that's the trajectory that we've seen. And I think it's going to continue at that point. Cause that's the difference between the five and the 13 other than, you know, the size and, and all that stuff is that it's gotten more powerful and more capable and more intelligent. And I think yeah. that's what's going to continue on. So that's, that's, what, that's my thought. And I don't think that necessarily has to be a hardware thing. What you're talking about is software. Yeah. I mean, faster chips, yes, but software. And I think that's yeah, an interesting point. but a point. lot of software. Yeah. Um, here, I'm, I'm looking through the chat here, and I see a lot of people, you know, wondering about the... 
the necessity of larger phones, it seems like I'm seeing a lot of sentiment for, you know, I want a phone to be pocketable and small. But you can't deny that having a larger screen is generally preferred. People want larger TVs, larger laptops, larger desktops. A larger screen is just considered better in many cases. Um, and they're not saying that they want a smaller screen. They're, they're not saying that they want a small screen. They're saying they want a phone exactly. that fits in their pocket, right? That's the, that's they're not the saying, I want to have less content on my screen. I want to squint more. I want to have a harder keyboard to type on. They're saying, I want the device, the physical device to be smaller. Right. And so that's why I was saying, like, I, I, I don't know. I really think that in a way, those old Android phones from 10 years ago we're onto something because those were devices that were compact and expanded. Now it wasn't additional displays. It wasn't a foldable thing like we have now, but it was some sort of expansion of the phone. You'd slide it out. So you continue to have your screen and you have an additional keyboard. My mom had this Samsung flip phone that had an e ink keypad. Really? This is like circa 2009. So you would flip it vertically. No touchscreen, by the way. You'd flip it vertically, and it had like a numeric keypad with additional functional buttons. You've, you could close it. You could then flip it horizontally and have a keyboard because the buttons could change. So like the buttons were there, but what they did was movable. And... It does make you wonder, maybe, you know, we like to think of Apple as having invented the modern smartphone, but maybe Android phone makers, candy bar phone makers, flip phone phone makers from 15 to 20 years ago, maybe they were right all along in, in terms of having a device that's first job is to be small and then to figure out how to expand once you're using it. That's, you know, I never thought about it, but that's uh, that's a pretty, that's a good point. I like that. I mean, it's, you look at the, what was that one, the LG Wing? Did you, oh, yeah, did you yeah. see the LG Wing? Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I mean, right now, it, you know, the, the Galaxy Fold, the Z Flip, the LG Wing, these are niche products. These aren't, you know, broadly out there. People aren't really doing that. But the iPhone was a niche enthusiast product when it launched in 2007. The industry is much more entrenched now. It's It's much more of a machine than an experiment which it certainly was you know 15 years ago all of the phone makers think how many form factors there were for phones 15 years ago everyone was just experimenting with whatever wacky shapes they could come up with yeah now it's you know what what color rectangle do you want do you want medium rectangle or giant rectangle pretty much we're getting a little bit of that back with the with the foldables and the crazy concepts but exactly but, uh, but yes it's starting it's start just starting to come back now and it does make you wonder where we're gonna go next but you know where we're gonna go next noah 
I think I do. Yes, we are going to go to the wrapping up portion of the podcast. Oh boy, let's let's head on over there. Uh yeah, join me. Here we go. We're here now in the wrapping up portion of the podcast. Did you hear like wind rushing over the microphone there by any chance? Not really, but dang it. But we'll uh we'll pretend that that happened. We'll pretend that that happened. Anyway, we didn't get to talking about automotive stuff. We can do that next week. I mean, there's no yeah. news. Let's talk about it next week. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys come here for Apple stuff, uh, guess what? Next time, next time we're going to talk about car stuff. We'll relate it to Apple somehow, I'm sure. We always do yeah. through yeah, yeah. metaphor and analogy. But next week, we're talking cars. We're talking EVs. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, as for today, I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I have been your host, Noah Rubin. Thanks for joining us, and have a good night. Take care.